MaxScholarsPublishing.com. That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Black Scholars Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. Glad that you guys have been showing so much love and support for the series on how the pandemic impacts K through 12 education. And there is a reoccurring theme. We're going to get into part three today. But there's a reoccurring theme of inequity and distance learning and the challenges of uh, getting students to participate in their learning environment. There is a big probability a growing probability that we may or may not, depending where you live, be able to uh, meet with our kids face to face at the beginning of the fall semester. So that is definitely an area of concern. I thank you guys for continuing to support the Black Scholars podcast. Last episode, we... Uh, Discuss the pandemic with Latoya Walker and Jamila Sams. Shout out to those lovely educators. Appreciate you. They did a fantastic job. Today, um, we're going to have a fantastic episode. Again, this is episode 29. And uh, I get the chance to speak with Stacy Malone, who's located in the beautiful land of San Antonio, Texas. So me and her, we get to talk about uh, obviously, the pandemic. Um, we get to talk about her transition from public, public to private to back to public and even from middle school to high school. Um, and then we get into, obviously, the topic at hand, which is the coronavirus and school closures. And how does that affect uh, our students? How does that affect us? How does that affect student achievement? How does that affect um Black educators everywhere, black, brown, white, purple, everyone, everyone's impacted by this. Um, I want you guys to continue to support. If you look under the show notes um, near the very bottom of the show notes, it does state support this podcast at uh, patron and uh, patron is a uh, what what I call it, an interface or a platform that allows you to support the podcast um, financially. So you can go on there, you can donate a dollar, you can donate a quarter. I believe you could donate once and just be done with it. Or you can have something reoccurring, like you can donate a dollar an episode or a dollar a month. Um, it's not necessary, but um, you know, if you're doing something good, you're doing something great, 
um, you're doing something of value, then, you know, you definitely um, should receive some type of reward for it. And uh, I do get a lot of reward just from being able to um, meet so many great educators from uh, all across the country, even the world. You know, I've had the chance to have uh, a few international educators on here. Um, so this has been a great experience, but um, I have a lot that I that I want to do. I want to do some giveaways. I got another book coming um, and I want to do some giveaways with that, too. I've got the Black Scholars merchandise, uh, blackscholarspublishing.com. So that is a way to support the show. And a lot of people have done that. I appreciate that. Even those who have uh, purchased the first book, becoming an, an effective black educator. I appreciate that. But, yeah, this is this is another way to uh, help build the community. And I, I definitely appreciate everything you're doing, um, whether you're on Spotify or iTunes or uh, Stitcher, um, Podbean, whatever platform you're using. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel now. So thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on all of those platforms that you use uh, and leave a review and um, also share. Share with another black or brown educator. Share with the educator who's not a minority. Um, I believe the the advice and the discussions and the tips and strategies we have on this podcast um, stands the test of time and goes toe to toe with any educational podcast out there. Um, and there's really no competition because if you notice everything that I do, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram at the Black Scholars Podcast, I show a lot of love and I promote a lot of other podcasts. And uh, especially, you know, if it's if, if it's for black or brown educators. Um, so I definitely will continue to do that um, because there's more than enough opportunity um, for all of us. You know, the 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 point and the purpose of all of this is to create a tribe, create a community and to help each other, to support one another. So if you guys got something going on and you're a black or brown educator, it doesn't even have to do anything with education. Um, and you want to market it on the show, I can help you put together a commercial um, and we can we can start doing that as well. That's going to be a service that I'm going to offer in the very near future. So uh, if you are interested in doing that, you better do it now while it's free before I start charging for it. But definitely. Um, so I appreciate you guys. We are approaching, I believe, 10,000 listens since this show has existed and uh because i'm a super busy man and super busy educator i uh, haven't had the opportunity to uh consistently produce episode after episode after episode every week um but now during this pandemic and uh, i'm about done with almost done with grad school i definitely have a little bit more time to uh devote to my tribe and to my community i love you guys um man let me shut up let's get into episode 29 Turn my music up. Up some more. Up some more. Up a little bit more. Mama always told me to be careful who I love and daddy always told me make sure he's right I 
Stacy Malone, welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Awesome, nice. awesome. Thank you for uh, joining me on this uh, beautiful day uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. You are in San Antonio. Yep, I'm in Texas. How's the weather? How's the weather there? Beautiful. Uh, actually, it's kind of gloomy today. I was um, really okay. I was just saying that on the phone. Yeah, it's been so nice and warm. It's still warm, but it's just been overcast these last few days. I have a connection to San Antonio. My aunt is in the Air Force, and uh, she went oh. to the Air Force when she was maybe 28, 29. And um, she's still in the Air Force, and she went in with her master's degree in psychology. So she's actually she actually lives in Guam, and she runs a mental health clinic now. Um, but she lived in San Antonio for I want to say her first three years of service um, to the military. And so San Antonio is beautiful, great food, um, a lot of Tex-Mex, obviously. Yeah, uh, with the, sure. with, yeah, with the huge sure. Hispanic population there, but. Yeah, I love San Antonio. Uh, I love Texas, and period. But I love San Antonio, so awesome. Yeah, I um, this is my third year here. Okay. Um, the demographics are a little bit different than where I'm from. I'm from Texas. Um, just San Antonio is its own little place in Texas, you know. Um, but it is military city, so being six foot tall everywhere I go, everyone's like, "Are you in the military?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'll take that discount," you know. But <laughs> not really. But, yeah. It's a, it's a nice place. There's actually a lot more great food than what people think. Right. Uh, a lot of the restaurants I go to have some awesome, awesome chefs. Um, and they're doing really cool things right now with the pandemic, um, with helping out the community. That's I cool. love this place Like for that. Um, just because where I'm from, um, back home, they're not doing all these things. Like The restaurants have opened up as um, small markets for fruit and uh, veggies and like uh, essential items for people who live downtown, uh, like myself. Yeah. So you said you've been in San Antonio for three years? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long, um, well, you've been teaching for, this is your fifth year. No, this, this is, is your third, third year. year. Third year. Yeah. So you're still, you're not a novice, but you're still, um, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. You're not a rookie, but you're, you're <laughs> like in a, tra- a weird transition period. Once you get to like three years, because most educators leave um, before year five. Most of them leave. And I'm going to be honest. I have left and I've come back already. Oh, um, I feel bad about that. I left after my first two years. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that on the show. I've said it before, but I guess I say it in the midst of all of the focus of the show. So when I just kind of drop gems, people sometimes miss them. But yeah, after my first two years, I left. And I left because um, I wasn't 100% sure about teaching, although I did have a very good first year. My second year sucked. Not because of me, but I had, um, there was a change of uh, assistant principals. And at the high school I was teaching at uh, in Memphis, there were, I want to say, three assistant principals. And um, they changed all of them. Um, it, was, it was a lot of controversy. I can't even remember all of the details. Um, and I left. And I went and I started on my, my own business. And uh, I worked for Apple as well, just to keep some income going in. And it was my work with Apple, um, working on their instructional workshops. Like you ever go into an Apple store and you see like classes going on? Mm-hmm. Like I was like a part. I was like a part of that, teaching those classes and help putting those together. And they were like, "You're like really good at this. Like, why aren't you teaching?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right." 
um, and, and I got back into it. So yeah, don't don't feel bad at all. I left after year two and uh, took two years off and then I came back and I've been in it ever since. So I've got uh, nine years in total, um, which technically should be 11. Should be 11 years, but I got nine. But I needed that break. I needed that break because I had a terrible second year. Um, so why, why'd you leave or when did you leave and why did you leave? Uh, so actually, I'm coming up with my fourth year in San Antonio now that I think about it, because it is 2020. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, I left after my second year and things weren't going rough. I actually had a pretty nice uh, setup out here. Uh, San Antonio's cost of living isn't very expensive, uh, especially for the amount you get paid. So teachers do well for themselves. Um, but I was 21. like, um, And so being around my students and then ask, being asked to move up to coach and teach in the high school levels were um, like enticing for me. I was like, OK, like I might see what this is about. Um, but like you said, everyone's like, oh, you're a baby, you're a rookie, you're, you know, and the kids are like, oh, you're closer to our age than, right, you know, right. their ages. And so I was like, you know, I love this and I'm passionate about it, but I want to see what else, like, um, that I really want to do before I do something that, no offense, but the people around me seem like they have to do. Um, right. All these older people just seem like they are just in their career and just not trying to move forward almost uh, it, i wouldn't say everyone was negative because that wasn't true but a lot of negativity and i'm like do you guys like kids do y'all y'all do this because y'all want to be here because i don't mean to sound like i don't have to be here but like i got this job right out of college and i didn't even get my degree in education i love it and i feel like i love it more than y'all so let me see right. if i go back to my you know degree um and and do something i love so i went to, and i did personal training for a year and i did uh, meal preps and uh, my online classes for people just like individual training with the gym and it was fun but it was so salesy and I was like I think kids listen better than adults right, <laughs> I'm gonna go back to coaching and teaching yeah. what I like and I've, I've been just welcomed back and into the community I feel like I have so many like babies all over the city now from like little kids up to seniors and it's great so are you back at the same district that you taught at before no no, okay. that's why I said I feel like all over the city. So my first uh, two years, I taught uh, sixth grade science, and I coached um, all sports for seventh and eighth grade okay. for girls. Um, and then this um, fall, I started back in coaching at a private school, and it's a pretty well-off private school, really um, big athletic program, so a place that recruits kids in, and um, it's real fancy-smancy. And uh, then I was like, okay, well, once basketball's over, I'll get back into the classroom for the second um, part of the year so I can have that consistency again and see if that's what I want to do um, going forward. And I'm back in elementary, um, but I'm in a really low SES um, area. Um, it's like the complete opposite of the fall. Um, so I'm having to look at my expectations differently. I'm having to look at the parents, um, you know, and see where I can support them. Places I didn't have to think um, at all with the private school you know you could be like can you bring this tomorrow morning okay it'll be here right. but my kids it's more like do i need to get you a notebook right. or can you get you a notebook you know right. um and so it's it's a little different but i think that it's really been placed on my heart to if i think i'm a great teacher i should be a great teacher for everybody i shouldn't be a great teacher because i have all these resources or i shouldn't be Thanks. a great teacher because i have these supportive parents you know Thanks. so it's really opening my eyes to do, do i love this you know like right. Like everyone was saying, that three to five year window is where you figure out if you love it. And so that's yeah. where I'm at. We get it out. Perfect. And so just for clarification, because sometimes when I'm listening, 
to my fellow educators, I get lost in like questions I want to ask because I'm always in question asking mode. Um, but just to clarify, so you did leave the private school. Now you're in a public school, right? Uh, yeah. So coaching position is not contracted for the whole year. It's just for your season uh, for this high school coaching. And so they offered me a high school health position for this fall coming up. But okay. we don't know if school's happening this fall. So I'm right. like, I'm a, I honestly, I've told my school district that I'm returning um, and then in the event that I get hired, then I'll let them know, hey, um, school's happening again, so I'm going to go teach in real life at the private school. Right. Um, but right. we will find out. So. so at the high school, you're going to be coaching basketball? Yeah, basketball, um, potentially volleyball, and then I'll be teaching high school, middle school health. Um, and so that is kind of right up my alley. My degree is in exercise physiology. Um, and then I also assisted with the strength and conditioning program when I was coaching there. So it was really nice. I mean, the facilities are crazy cool. The kids are really uh, appreciative of what they have. So uh, I wouldn't feel like I'm going to like teach and coach some entitled kids that, you know, don't deserve me leaving where I'm at. I got you. I got you. And so did you used to play ball uh, back in high school? Yeah, I played in college, actually, too. Um, oh, I played at okay. Kansas State in here. Dope. And um, since you've been back, um, has there been a big shift between when you left and came back, or is everything pretty much the same? Like, do, um, did you notice if education's changed? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, starting off in the district that I was in, it was like superb for public school. So right. uh, coming back, it has opened my eyes to a lot of like issues within our public school system because. I guess when you teach in a district, even if you're not teaching at one of the, you know, um, newer schools, you still have the resources that, you know, the whole district gets to use. And so going to a place that doesn't have as many resources, um, or even just, um, I guess, resources allocated to everyone, mm -hmm. it's it's a big shift. So at first I was like, what is even happening here? Is this yeah. how you guys operate out the time? And, you yeah. know, they were like, yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, I can get used to it. Just you just. Let me know so I can be prepared. And I'm not always like, y'all don't have this, y'all don't have that. Because right. that is old after a while, obviously. Um, but I think it's, especially being in the community that I'm in, um, I'm my school district, I'm going to be honest, like I have 100% Hispanic students. Um, the two African-American students that I have are also Hispanic. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that maybe three white students that I have also Hispanic. So coming from a place that was more mixed um, in my other district and even at my private school, a lot more diversity uh, compared to this school, I'm realizing that a lot of the reasons why we're struggling is not because the kids speak Spanish. Right. Uh, it's mostly because our kids don't. It's because when they go home, they have parents and grandparents that do speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. But like when you were younger, what did you what did you do with, with your grandparents and parents? Were you talking? Were you doing work like like mm -hmm. puzzles and games and stuff? They're not right. talking to their grandparents because they can't understand them. Right. So who's working with them on their homework and helping them with their literacy? So I have fifth graders that can't read. I mean, the majority of my fifth grade has um, a lot of issues with comprehension. And so instead of getting to teach on pace with what I want to teach, I'm having to go back and teach. Hey, you guys know this root word? Do you guys know this word part? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, no problem. But it's just going to take us some time to catch up. Right. Uh, 
And so um, I'm just noticing that, like, yeah, if it's because they don't speak Spanish. It's because they can't communicate with those family members that w are at home to help them or they don't have those family members at home to help them at all. So um, a lot more, a lot less support when it comes from home. And so a lot more of me having to realize that in middle school, you can be a little bit more distant. In high school, it could be a little bit more distance from your kids. In elementary school, they need a little bit extra yeah, uh, love and attention. And uh, yeah. I mean, I'm fine with that. It's just, it was, a, it's a wake up call, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I did. I started out in high school for three years and then I've been in middle school ever since. So I've got um, twice as much experience at the middle school level. And most people complain about middle school. I'm like, look, my goal is for student achievement to increase student achievement. When I taught high school, those kids love me. I love them. There was great rapport, but they are very, very distracted um and i think i can speak to that across the board across several states because i know a lot of high school teachers and and middle school not to say they're not distracted because they definitely are but they're still um you still get more of enforcement at home there's still more parental involvement if you got it they're issue, valuable you know yeah yeah and and if they really like you and they connect with you and they can see themselves and you and vice versa and know that you're there and you care then um they'll go to bat for you they'll do whatever they need to do even if they don't want to necessarily do it like i teach english right and most kids the first day they meet me they're like i don't like reading or i don't like writing or i don't like being quiet i don't like taking tests and i'm like Yo, that's literacy. Like, you got to sit down. You got to read something that's going to be difficult. Um, you're going to have to find a way to connect to it. And then you're going to have to go back to the text. You're going to have to answer questions. You're going to have to write an essay. And they're like, no, no, no. But because of I have that rapport with my students, um, they go above and beyond for me. And I'm very appreciative of that. And uh, I handle problems very well. So if a kid is ever a classroom uh, behavior nightmare, you probably should send them to me because I'm gonna have a conversation with them. I like to have I like to have a what do I call them. Um, uh, I forgot what I call them. It's a funny name, but basically make them realize that God exists. They're gonna, they're gonna realize they're gonna have a spiritual moment when they have a one on one conversation with me. If they're a behavior problem, because I'm gonna say some things that I probably wouldn't repeat in front of their parents. But anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, you open up. I would a lot say the of, same. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. A come to Jesus. That's what I call it. A come to Jesus moment. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have those conversations because we're gonna be working with each other yeah. all year long. I'm here to help you. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You're getting you know bad grades and getting conduct marks and getting referrals in all of your classes. You're not gonna do that for Mr. Wilson, are you? And they're like, Yeah. That's it. Because if you do, man, you're gonna have some problems. And you don't want no problems with me. And then, and then I I'm like their, you. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm their, and then I'm their favorite teacher. It's funny how that works. I'm their favorite teacher. I, I feel the same way. I'm like, wow. I get all y'all's head all the time. Y'all like, time. oh, in my face. Yeah, <laughs> you're my favorite. I'm like, really? Uh, okay. All right. Cool. Oh my goodness. If you like it, I love it. Cool. Uh, but I you, think that we need more people like you. More, oh, facts, facts, definitely. Well, there's not and many, me, and there's not many like of me. Too. Oh, definitely. There's not many of us. And there's definitely not many of me on the male side in education because, I mean, education is stressful. You know, no teaching can be extremely stressful. Um, and, and we're going to get in the show's topic about the pandemic as we continue this series in a sec. But um, it's becoming even more stressful because it, it already wasn't organized the correct way, right? Like the model we're using for K through 12, specifically public schools, um, is an outdated model for an industry that doesn't really exist. 
So if we think about what I call it, uh, GDP, the global whatever, um, of how much money as a as a country we earn, uh, the gross I forgot what it's gross something I can't remember. Um, but basically, that industry we're not you know it's not about warehouses and farming and it's not about that anymore. Like exactly. we're we're in the technology uh, creative creator. There needs to be a shift from uh, consumer. To producer and we're going to talk about that as we talk about uh, this pandemic and distance learning and whatnot but you identified some things um, when you were speaking just a moment ago as far as like the in, the inequity um, between you know different districts and whatnot and so this entire K through 12 model has been a hot mess and we are able to um, reach some success but it's small groups it's a small demographic that's able to still be successful. Um, and, and just being honest, a lot of time that comes from having a family that values education um, just as much as we do as educators. And also being honest, and I've talked about this before on the show, there are some people in the classroom who probably shouldn't be in the classroom. Um, Although the check, although for some districts, you know, depending where you teach, the check might not be the greatest. There are legit some people there still in a check. And that's something that needs to be fixed as well, too. Um, and we were talking about this before we started recording. But how's the pandemic affected you? Like right now you're teaching the kids you're working with fifth grade and you, mm -hmm. do, and you do science and social studies. Yeah. So how has so, the pandemic affected affected you and your kids and everything that you guys are doing? So um, as I said, I started in January with this group, um, and they didn't have a teacher. Uh, I came from that private school after basketball season, and even my first month, I was doing I was at two campuses, um, and so coming into their that school, I was having to really convince those kids that like I'm here for y'all, like I'm not gonna leave. Um, you have somebody, and you're safe. You have a classroom now. Um, the classroom I walked into was in shambles. So those kids like clung to me uh, really, really quickly. And then this happened. So I haven't seen my kids. Our spring break was the 7th, the 7th through the 13th. So I think, um, so I haven't seen my kids in a long time. And over spring break, I was actually in California and I was um, talking about all the cool things I was going to do when I got back. And then we get back and we, um, we had a week off of just not really any communication because we didn't know what was going on. We, we didn't want to share anything that wasn't true. And then when we do get back, um, I hear from maybe a handful. I have 65 total students in the fifth grade because I see, um, I, I would say, okay, like 80, with including the bilingual kids. Um, but I saw probably like 20 kids total that first week. And I was getting a little worried. Um, they were putting on the school websites that they didn't know if schools were going to open back up at all. And since I teach an exit grade, it's like, I might not see my kids again. Those kids might not come back to this campus for middle school because um, we do have an academy and it goes to eighth grade. Um, and so I might not see my kids at all. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if these kids are safe because they do live in an area that has um, lots of crime, lots of um, lots of poverty, and um, still haven't heard from three of my kids. So they're going to do home visits coming up this week to check on those kids to make sure that, hey, everything's okay. But um, getting to go on Zoom calls and stuff with them has been so good. Um, at the end of the meetings, they've been saying, Miss, we don't want to get off. But, uh, can we just stay and talk to you? And it like hurts my heart because the meetings are recorded. We have to get off at, you know, after a certain amount of time. Otherwise, uh, different parents will be upset. 
I found out recently I have parents that are taking their kids to work with them now. So parents that work in restaurants that are still operating um, and things like that. So the kids are just sitting there on the iPad trying to get their work done or or the parents are saying they can't use this device while I'm not at home. I'm just now allowing this you know 10 or 11 year old to stay at home by themselves because of what's going on. Like, um, can you please let us do work in the evening? So I have kids I can't get on the Zoom calls with. Um, so it's affecting me a little bit more than what I thought it was, actually. I, I'm not, like, the super emotional, like, I'm going to cry teacher. But I've cried a few times uh, since we, we've been here in this weird time. Wow. And so you're still doing grades and you're giving instruction. And- so that. We are technically, and that's the frustrating part because other states are not. And right. um, I mean, in Kansas, where I when I went to school, school was just closed indefinitely. I think there are some places in Dallas where school is closed indefinitely. And so, what you were saying earlier about like holding kids accountable, there's no way. And I don't even want. I mean, I'm not saying right. I don't want to teach because I do want to teach, but I don't know what my kids are going through at home. So for me to say like, this needs to be done by Friday. Mm-hmm. No excuses. I don't know if you even have food at home right now for me to be telling mm-hmm. you this needs to be due by Friday. Get on this device that we gave you. Um, now, if you're at home playing Fortnite all day, that's different. Um, but a lot of my kids are having issues that I'm not, I'm not able to um, see. And then on these Zoom calls, you can see into these kids' homes. And like I said, you know um, where my kids are from. So I'm seeing things that like concern me, and I'm hearing things that concern me. And we've had to stop and speak to parents a few times on the chat to be like, hey, that's inappropriate. And I don't know how you talk to your kids whenever I'm not around, but we don't talk to your kids that way. And we don't want the other kids to know that you talk to them that way. So uh-huh. it's just been kind of like, uh, I'm having to talk to parents about how to parent and then without being the person that's like, don't t- you know, don't tell me how to parent. It's like, I know, right. I know. Right. But also don't call your kid that on, on Zoom. Right. Um, and so it's it's like school is a safe place for them and for for us to have to be in their home, it's, a, it's just a weird time. We talk about how, um, like, we use sentence stems, obviously, because we need to work on literacy and getting kids to speak in complete sentences. Um, we talk about, you know, what are some things, guys, that are concerning you about this time? Or what do you miss most? And, and different things. They want to go back to school. They want to be in the classroom because they feel like that's safe for them. I'm like, me too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely a, a classroom, if if you if you build the culture, you know, I'm in uh, grad school um, working on my admins license right now, and um, I hate Zoom, by the way, just being honest. Be, as, a, as, a, as a graduate student, I hate Zoom um, because, and I, I can't speak for everyone that's in grad school right now, but it's like the professors don't really recognize what's going on, and like, it feels like the work is like, it's even more of it. And it's like kind of unorganized, unstructured, at least in my experience. And it's like, you know, I have to just open up and tell my cohort, um, who are all educators, and I had to tell them I can't focus like I normally focus, like because it's just so much going on. You know, thankfully I'm healthy, my family's healthy, um, so I'm grateful for that. But I mean, if you have any type of empathy or sympathy for what's going on, because we're all impacted by it in some form or shape. Um, it's just hard to concentrate. And, you know, I worry about that. And that's one of the things my district said with why we can't use Zoom is because of FERPA, like because we can see inside of the homes and there's other kids around and parents and strangers and things are being said. And, 
you know, if you look hard enough, you might be able to figure some things out, you know, whether it's a bill it you, yeah, it, or, yeah, it's just, you know. It, it's like, do I need to report? Yeah. And right. so that it crosses lines. I agree. But also, do you have kids of your own? I do. So you being an educator and having this time now because you're not taking grades, think about the educators that, so on my team, I have, uh, I have an educator that has four kids, mm -hmm. I have an educator that has three kids. And then I have one that's retired. So she's struggling with, you know, the technology side of things. Right. Um, and then the people who have kids, they're saying, okay, I have to be on the computer at these hours of the day and be available to help these kids. But I cannot get my five-year-old onto the computer right. because she can't read and she can't do it herself. And so right. how do you expect me to do my job and also raise my family? Um, the very first week we were doing professional development from 8 a.m. until about 3 or 3.30, almost 4 o'clock. Um, but we were on the computer almost that whole time. And they were saying, okay, from 12 to 12.30, go grab lunch. And she's like, I have to make lunch for children. Like, that's not, It's this is not a regular school day where I can just pack my lunch up and go. I'm at the house with my kids that don't, like, they don't have a press pause button. It's mommy this, mommy that. Right. And so imagine the parents of my students who don't have the obligation. Like, yes, education should be a parent's like priority for their kid, but also feeding them is the priority. So it's like... Definitely. How can I tell these parents, you need to get all four of your kids on, you need to make sure they have this, this, and this, but a lot of them didn't finish school. So education is not their top priority. Yep. They can't read this stuff. So who are who are we trying to benefit, I guess, at this point? Like, whose best interest do we have? Are we trying to make sure we get enough seats and the uh, kids in these seats so we can say that we, we don't need to go to school in the summer, we can get our funding? What is it, What are we doing? Like, just be honest and transparent with us so that I know how to best help my students because... Quite honestly, I don't care what your agenda is. Right now, they have us tracking student data, mm -hmm. um, and we're really tracking our own data. We're tracking how many interactions we have with the students. So if we contact a student on Zoom, so you have to put every student's name that was on the Zoom call. Um, then you have another tracking um, place where you put interactions on Google Classroom or other um, sites that you use, but you're supposed to track the interactions that you have. So if I were to comment back to Billy, I have to like, go click that in and put that in. I'm like, that is absurd. I would be on the computer all day for all the comments that I'm getting and all the questions and all the phone calls that parents are uh, sending me. And they're like, well, it's not really for attendance for the kids because we can't make the kids be present. I'm saying, so, so what are we tracking? Yeah, so what, what purpose does that serve? Did you ever get a clear I, answer for that? Basically, without saying it, they're saying, we just want to make sure y'all are earning a paycheck. I, I was, I'm assuming at this point, you know, um, because we want to make sure we want we want to be able to tell the state that our teachers contact these kids this many times where they tried to reach out to these kids. The this state's many times. not asking that. I mean, I would assume they're not. You know, I don't have any, um, and I know teachers in Texas, but I don't have the background knowledge of the Department of Education for Texas. Um, I do have background working with a Department of Education, of course, in Tennessee, um, in several several different capacities. But what we did, and what they probably should have done in Texas, because it doesn't sound like they did that, is make legislation where, and they probably did this, get rid of the testing. Like the state of Tennessee did yeah. that before it was even the federal thing, and Trump was like, oh yeah, we're not going to have a uh, test anymore for, for this school year. And it's like... Dude, we already been on it. You're late. Like we already said. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Um, but also the key thing, uh, also waiving the 180 day instructional requirement. That means no summer school. 
if you waive that. That's what so that's that's what should have happened. So I don't really understand what the tracking is for because with that two trillion dollar package, um, which uh, probably is being mismanaged, um, depending on what article you read and what you believe, but probably being mismanaged. Um, a, a huge, well, I won't say a huge, but a certain amount was earmarked um, for specifically education. Then there was a separate amount that was earmarked for each state, uh, given to the governor of each state, for them to use specifically for, um, at their discretion, educational. So any educational needs, assistance, and it's like a whole list of things that they can use it for under the the bill that was passed and um i so so you should and, and my point in saying all that you shouldn't have to track all of that information for them to go back to the state and saying our kids i mean our, our educators are earning their paychecks these are the kids you know the interaction between the teacher and the student and the family and this is how many comments they answered or emails they answered like none of that matters right now like it, it truly truly doesn't i don't and, think so um, either that's very disheartening. I'm sure there are probably other listeners um, who are listening to this podcast and they'll be like, yep, I'm in the same boat. Um, so I'm grateful for you for sharing that. But uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Please stop. Like, yeah, like stop. Like it, there's a lot of bad things that policymakers do in terms of educational policy, but they're are some good things they do. Um, not having the testing was good. Waving that 180 day instructional requirement was good because we don't know when this is going to stop. I'm seeing all different types of articles. Um, it might open up in May or at the end of May or, or June or I'm gonna let y'all go ahead and do that. Like if it opens up, this is just me personally speaking, I'm not going out. I'm still going to operate. Yeah, y'all can. Yeah, yeah, y'all can have those germs. I'm like, being a science yeah, teacher. Yeah, I'm chilling. After that, I'm like, I don't think y'all know how germs work. Just exactly. because you like that person doesn't mean they don't have germs. I'm sorry, and you might trust yeah. them with your life, but guess what? You don't know who they've been around. So I'm not um, trusting. You know, I don't want to get on an anti-government rant or anything, but um, I'm not <laughs> trusting the United States government when we knew that this thing has existed in 2019. It's existed yeah. in 2019. And there's allegedly, again, I'm not going to get an anti-government rant, but there's allegedly a patent on the name COVID-19 and coronavirus and like this. I mean, we know the coronavirus has existed since the 1960s. Whatever this strand is, yeah. this is a whole different ball game. Like this is a whole new uh, strand or virus. And um, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm right here with you. I agree. Yeah. And I hate to be that that person uh, yeah. because I do have kids and people who, who want information from me. And it's like, this is what they're saying. Um, but I'm going to be real with you and transparent. And that's not what I'm doing. Like right. if they tell us, um, I know Governor uh, Abbott was saying he was trying to get things back opened in Texas uh, as soon as possible and uh, figure out ways to get around that. Because for the number of people that have died, it just doesn't, um, it's not it doesn't make sense for us to be out like we are out. And um, they were saying kids don't get it. It, it. You know, if kids were to get it, it, it would increase the mortality rate two to three percent max. And I'm thinking to myself, um, adults get it, though. So who do you think are teaching those kids? Like, who, who do you think is, is going to be in the classroom with them? Are we going to teach virtually? Who's going to watch them? Make sure they don't kill each other. Um, I guess. And also, who's going to send their kid to school knowing that they might be the two to three percent? Right. Um, 
I'm not like I don't even have kids of my own, but my kid wouldn't be going to school. Right. Um, a lot of people are saying this could be over in May, but I just think about like in your car when you get in the car. Do you think your car is sanitized right now after you've been outside and, and gone to the grocery store? Do you think that the things that are around you aren't, um, you know, compromised? Everybody like everybody doesn't live like you. Just like when you get on the highway to drive every day, you could be a great driver, but guess what? There are crappy drivers all around exactly. you, so you still have to be cognizant of your, exactly. you know of your life so i'm i'm that's how i am right now with all this going on like y'all can do what y'all want to do <laughs> yep. but i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure i'm working on this immunity staying yep. in shape yep. eating right yep. i'm not in the house wasting wasting away yep absolutely and i feel like my kids are do you think how i think about how like we were we were gonna get out may 28th i don't know what time y'all were gonna get out um i want to say um I want to say May 22nd, maybe, around that time. Okay, so our go-back-to-school day is May 4th. Do you think that you'll be able to get any any procedures back into place um, or get your kids together in that time period to do anything worth doing? Can I be honest with you? If I was, if I was in that position, I wouldn't go back. Just being honest. I me personally, I mean, as a professional, <laughs> as an educator, and I love my kids, I love what I do, I'm not going back. But I'm saying, even if there were no more germs, let's say, let's in a perfect scenario that wiped all the germs clean, do you think that it would be successful for us to send students back to school? No, because think about it, the beginning of the school year. It's no testing. Yeah. yeah. So things cancel, and I teach an exit level grade. Right. Um, they have, haven't been waking up. My kids, we do Zoom at 11 o'clock every morning. Yeah. They've been waking up at 11 o'clock. Like, yeah. You can tell. Like, yeah, you know, still crust in their eyes. Uh-huh. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that it would be worth going back to school? It's not. And that's why as a professional, if, like, look, y'all can decide whatever y'all want to decide. Look, last time I seen my kids was on March 13th. We had school on March 14th, and then they shut everything down. We were supposed to be going into spring break. So um, was that the 16th, the week of the 16th, we were on spring break. And then that's when, you know, everybody at that point was shut down. But um, they were even talking about on the 13th, my last day at school, because I called out that Friday, that um, they weren't ready to make a de uh, decision yet. And I work in, so I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, but I work outside in a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee. How Memphis is set up, you got one huge district called Shelby County Schools. It, was, it wasn't always like that, um, but that's a history lesson in education and uh, inequity and disparity and socioeconomic you know, gaps, and we don't want to get into that. So you got Shelby County Schools, which is in Memphis, Tennessee. They're a huge district. And so they made a, de a decision right away that um, schools are going to be closed. Like they got on it right away, and to be honest, they've been handling it um, better than any other government or agency or school system that I know of. Like, they've just been on top of it. Um, and then around Memphis, the suburbs, each suburb has its own school district. So I work for one of those, and I'm in a very affluent area uh, where many of my students have million, they live in million dollar homes, and their parents work for FedEx or one of the big Fortune 500 companies in Memphis, and so uh, they're very well-to-do. Um, and I've heard a lot of this um, just period in education. Um, 
I, I don't work with, you know, I've heard people say, I don't work with affluent kids. My kids need to get back to school. That actually was a debate in one of my group meets in my cohorts for, for grad school. Like two of my colleagues got into, I don't say an argument, but like a debate where one of them was saying like, look, I work in a poor, poor school district. These kids need to be in school. Um, they need to be working on their skills. Uh, it's like, okay, I understand that perspective. And then the other perspective was, you know, well, you know, I don't get a chance to work with affluent kids. So, you know, maybe it's good that they stay home. And then I was thinking, I didn't get a chance to chime in because I was just, just listening, just paying attention. But I work with affluent kids. Those kids, and before, and before the kids I work with now, I work with gifted kids, intellectually gifted kids in Apex. And so working with both of those groups, pretty much the same. You've got kids who are intrinsically motivated, you got kids who are externally, uh, uh, extrinsically motivated, which a lot of that mm -hmm. comes from home, right? Whatever their parents yeah, are, sure. you know, they they compromise with them. And here are some positive consequences. Here are some negative consequences if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing while you're in school. And um, whatever the motivation is for the kids, we've got low performers. We've got serious underachievers. I've got eighth graders who struggle severely with writing to the point they shouldn't be in high school. That's how much they struggle with writing, which also goes to, and thinking of literacy, their reading skills. Because if you're, okay, you can read it. Okay, you can decode it. But can you truly comprehend? Can you truly comprehend what's going on? Because if you can't truly comprehend what's going on, then you shouldn't have such an issue with the writing piece. Like they go, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And um, you know, I'm not afraid to say I've got rich, well-off, wealthy students who should not be promoted to the next grade, or they need tutoring. And I offer tutoring. They need more tutoring. They need more time. And so across the scale, I would say. All of these kids need to be in school. All of these kids need to yeah. be working on their skills. But because and of that's, what's... Mm -hmm. Sorry, that, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, um, but that goes right into my my point of... So, uh, same, my, the kids at my private school are a lot more motivated. And the kids that struggle more, I would say um, it's, it's due to lack of parental motivation at home um or it's a lack of something but across the board all kids need to be in school because your brain is a muscle if you're not working that muscle it's getting weak it's and that's just that's facts um but it's against the law for you not to be in school right every day right. Right. during the normal school year you get right. a truancy you got to go to court um and so that's where my big like okay i, I don't want to be have to hold kids accountable in this time because it's a crazy time but also they would have to be there anyway. So like not participating is not an option if you unless you right. have a reason. Unless you've communicated that that reason to me, then I need to be seeing you. I need to make sure you're good. And I know it's not my job to do welfare checks on my kids, but I feel like it's my job. Right. I feel like I'm it's I it's something even if I'm not getting paid to do it, I wanna make sure they're good because they're my kids. Um and it, it's hard to hear, well technically they don't have to participate or they don't have to do this um, because I have to do all these things. I need to be making sure that they're okay. Then I need to be, a, I need you to hold them accountable to respond back to me, to, right. to know that, okay, even if you're not doing the work and they're not holding you accountable for the work, let, let us know you're safe. 
can we do that? Like, right. is that fair? Right. Um, and we're not even getting that. Um, yeah. I've talked to most of my athletes from my other schools. So a lot of the high school kids, middle school kids, I know they're safe. But also, um, it's easier to contact them. Their numbers work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm calling and calling and calling and texting and emailing these numbers for my actual students now. I'm, I have no luck. Except for the only time I got responses would, would have been whenever we were handing out devices. Whenever they were having to go up to the school to get a device. So everybody almost responded then. I think we had those three that I still haven't heard from, and that was it. They didn't get a device. Um, but the majority of our school, their, their numbers worked, and they were able to reach us so they right. can get that device. And, right. and now they're not participating online. So it's like if you have a device and you haven't given any reason why, at least check in for SEL, like social-emotional learning. At least check in for stuff like that so we can make sure kids are safe. Uh, they are doing the one thing I'm – proud of across the state is everyone's getting food out to the kids um who normally would need like the snack packs and different things was, they're I was doing like, about that. Pickup. okay so districts handing out yeah, so, food uh-huh they're doing breakfast and lunch and i think they're giving them out at the same time and i had a lot of parents contacting me at first but i'm like i don't get lunch like i don't know where to have. let me right. see what i can do because the websites are all over the place um but i mean it really just goes to show like the districts that have prioritized getting uh technology into their school and making sure their kids are tech um savvy uh are gonna be well off in this time our kids are fifth graders but they don't know how to log into things um they're used to using the phone and playing games but yep. they're not used to remembering usernames and passwords yep. um or following instructions repeatedly so a lot of my i turned off my comments on my google classroom yep. and they can only contact me through private comments because i'm having to teach them as soon as you have an issue that it doesn't mean that you quit and ask for help it means maybe go back and read and make sure you read everything correctly yeah. and then ask for help on your specific assignment. But don't say, miss, we can't get it. Miss, we can't do this. This doesn't work yeah. because now you're putting anxiety into the, <laughs> to the minds of the other kids that are looking like, maybe we can't do it. I'm not going to click either. I'm just going to look and, and assume that this link doesn't work or whatever. But um, it's just, um, and maybe it could be an elementary thing, me dropping down elementary this year for the first time. No, it's <laughs> but, not. Well, mm. I, my older with my older kids, it was more, um, they understood when you reach out to me, and it, it needs to be an actual question. I don't get it. It's not a question. Right. So I don't respond to I don't get it. Or I don't understand this missed. You have to tell me in a sentence, because that's something that we're struggling to right. hold our kids accountable to doing, speaking complete sentences. And now that I'm thinking about that, my own friends at this big age struggle at speaking in complete sentences. Right. I, I'll ask them a question, and I'm like, Y'all, y'all do the same thing as my students. Oh my goodness! And yeah. they're like, oh, "Stacy, don't t- try to teach us right now." Yeah. But it's the truth. Uh, so getting these kids to respond to me in private comments and say, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I need help with," is the biggest struggle. Mm-hmm. It's not even the work. I'm putting vocabulary matching games and stuff together for them. I, I don't think that um, I'm able. Since I'm not able to reach all of my kids, it's really hard to see where where they are and to move forward uh, because you don't know who you're leaving behind at this point with these little checks you, i don't know whose parents are doing this work for them i don't know the other day i had a comment that said whilst first of all y'all even y'all y'all are not typing whilst right. <laughs> whilst doing what like no right. you i know you didn't type that right so who's doing the work for you where are you copying and pasting it from yeah because that's what's happening we are wasting these kids time yeah <laughs> and i don't want to do that yeah I don't care what your older brother or sister or uncle or whoever is doing the work. I don't care what they can do. I'm 
trying to teach you. So that's always been my biggest concern about um, uh, everything I do, like even essays, like I pretty much we do them like in class, like I will schedule the time you will write it in class because I don't trust when kids well, take things you. home. And, yeah, because I'll even have a kid and they'll be like, um, oh, yeah, I was just so excited to write this novel based on, I mean, write this essay based on the novel that we just read, so To Kill a Mockingbird, that I just decided to do the entire thing. And I'm like, really? And I just sit there and smile at them. Like, Let me read it. And I'll read it and I'll read it. And, you know, they they write for me all the time, even just constructive response. So I know their their diction, their vocabulary that they use, their sentence structure. So, I mean, now I'm seeing, you know, M dashes and semicolons. And now we're using SAT verbiage. And I'm like, I don't know where you copied and pasted this from. I don't know who in your house did this. But all of this uh -uh. It wasn't you. Uh -uh. And yeah, they know I don't, like, I don't play around with plagiarism. <laughs> I don't play around with plagiarism. I take um, I take writing too seriously and uh, education too seriously for me to play around with plagiarism. So they know not to pull that on me. But every once in a blue moon, somebody will try. Big sister who's in college decided to write it for you know twenty bucks or however much they paid them, and they try to give it to me. I know <laughs> this is not your writing. This ain't your. I know it's not your writing. You never See, used but this. in elementary. You haven't even been introduced to plagiarism yet, so we're opening right. a can of worms to these kids that they've not even been exposed to. Right. Um, I think my biggest, another one of my big concerns is that you as a teacher have not been trained to do this. I, have, mm -hmm. I haven't been trained to, like, um, sorry, um, I'm going to be transparent with you. I have ADHD, so if I bounce around, oh, I'll you're talk good. because you're that's good. how I am. You're good. Um, and I'm, I'm at home, so I'm not taking any medication. I'm sorry, yeah. but uh, it's just how I am right now. Um, but... Uh, our special ed teacher, she she has been testing, putting a student into my classroom, um, and she'll pull him out whenever, but just dropping him in to see how he does in gen ed. And as soon as we got to this um, pandemic, she was like, hey, can we put him in your Google Classroom and then, you know, see how it goes from there? And I was like, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't know that his needs can be met. He, This was a, something that you were testing out, but I'm not going to be held accountable for not being able to meet his needs when I have 80 kids right now because the bilingual kids are in my class now i'm having to make sure that things are um are suitable for all of these fifth graders and he's not technically a gen ed fifth grader so i'm like i don't want parents saying my kid wasn't getting what they needed because of miss malone or because of whatever right. when you this is your expertise you know right. i know his accommodations and his modifications but i don't know how to do that with these websites it's hard to differentiate things yep. when you don't have the pro work we're getting trials like they're they're assigning us trial periods on these websites and things yeah. because they don't know how long things are going to last. So I'm like, I can't change the worksheet for him because it's digital. Um, he can't, his, his own copy is not, I can't make it unless I go and make a, a random Google document for just him. Um, but you would need to grade it. It's going to be, everything else is generated separately. His, his stuff just won't be in there. So I think it'd be easier for me to drop into his classroom and give you tips um, in your class. And so have not heard from her again. So basically... Uh, they're like, oh, you want me to do my own work? Fine. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I do my own work now as well. Exactly. You know, this is a big um, change for everyone. Yep. I don't know. Um, I don't turn down the opportunity to learn these things because I, I can definitely use them when we get back into the classroom. And I'm definitely. so thankful that my kids are getting the chance finally to use some technology. Right. I just wish I was there with them to help them get through it a lot right. um, more smoothly. So it's like, don't throw stuff on my plate that like, I already haven't been trained to do. Let me let me just work with what 
is already on my plate without your your sides and extras. Exactly. So. Exactly. So let me let me hit you with a hypothetical situation. So regardless of what you know we've been hearing, because nothing has been consistent. Um, let's say COVID nineteen, the pandemic, and the accompanying quarantine go all the way until fall. And we've already seen some colleges and universities be proactive. And I don't know why that's such a difficult concept and practice to follow. But proactively saying, hey, our doors won't be open for fall. You can, we're still open, but everything's going to be on Canvas or Blackboard. Everything's online. Like there will be no face-to-face. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, this thing goes on into fall. And we've discussed a lot of the issues already with distance learning. What needs to change? What needs to occur in order for learning uh, and effective teaching to actually happen? Or is it possible it could happen if this thing stretches out longer than any of us wanted to? Um, and I've been thinking about that from the elementary standpoint and, and also the high school standpoint, um, mm-hmm. because I don't know exactly where I'll be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's say that I stay where I am. We had a conversation in our PLC yesterday about how if we had older leadership, because we, as I, when I came in, we, we got a new principal. They were saying we would be on the news right now if we had our old uh, staff. Like if we had the old administration, we would be on the news because of how unorganized this is and how people are not getting their needs met. And so unless over the summertime, they're able to incentivize uh, teachers to get into trainings and stuff um, and and learn, you know, this is the new way of, of doing things. And this is a standardized way that everybody's going to do it. Um, but still give you the freedom, obviously, to be a teacher. Don't um, insult my intelligence and think that I need to watch you read a PowerPoint because that's what's going on in a lot of the trainings. Like, sweetie, I can read because I teach kids <laughs> how to read. Um, but... <laughs> We're that, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, if we can get real training um, and make this feel competitive again, then I think that it would be awesome to see where things could go. Because, it, I mean, it's, I hate to say that um, what what we have going on right now doesn't work, but it doesn't work. Um, kids do really well for me because I try to bring the younger perspective into things and maybe incorporating more technology, um, whether it's forceful and we don't really want to, but we have to or not, like that might be what's best for our kids right now. Because like you said, it's about trying to switch them from being consumers to being producers. Um, you want to have this, this next generation be a part of a workforce. I feel like I was the first generation to where my education, um, did not prepare me at all. Um, like my, one of my very best friends, she went to school for advertising and she was in limbo for like the last two or three years because the degree that she got was based off of old stuff. Who watches regular cable TV on, on the regular basis anymore? Um, or who's doing the things that we used to do growing up? We That was a part of our life. Like sitting down, like even being on the phone with your friends, being like, did you watch that last night? Or did you see that? That was that was a big deal for us. And now there's so many uh, places and for kids to be on online. Uh, mm-hmm. the, there's not a lot of solidarity. There's not a lot of... Um, them doing the same thing. So she is just not getting to like social media marketing and different things and um, and advertising that way and teaching people how to brand themselves. Um, and she's like, wow, it, my education didn't prepare me, but I finally found my niche. But it's, I don't want this next generation to be in the same hole that we were if we can right. prevent that. And right. older teachers are like, this is what's worked for 15 years and this is what's going to continue to work. And I'm like, 
okay, Karen, you know, right. <laughs> like, what do you want me to, I don't know how to explain it to you because you have your um, American dream. You and your husband have been married for 30 years and you're living in y'all's house with y'all's two cars and that's right. what y'all wanted. But these kids don't want that. That's right. not, that's not their future. Right. Um, so I don't, I, I don't know how to answer your question. No, you did, forward, you did. And, uh, <laughs> the, the key thing is, um, professional development, professional learning. So every school, regardless of if it's Title I or not, they're supposed to be following a model of, um, what's it called, uh, continuous school improvement, okay? And so typically with continuous school improvement, I don't know if you've ever, in your, in your three years, have you ever had to work on a committee for, the, for that, that plan that you have to put together? Uh, so yeah, I'm not in the committees, but um, our team leaders always like report back to, okay. um, and we have like CLT, ACT um, in this district. My other district, they had different acronyms, but right. basically same thing. Yeah. Um, and so typically, you know, principals, it's like a, it's kind of like the observation process um, for a lot of schools and districts. It's a dog and pony show. So they put together these 50 oh, page plans that, the, you know, the principal's really doing, well, depending on the principal, a lot of them are doing the grunt work, at least as far as putting it actually together. The smarter ones, they know how to delegate and come up with committees and teams to focus on each area, and then they all put it together. But it's like 50 pages or, or, or more. It's like a, I won't say a dissertation, but like a thesis on like, this is our primary learning goals, learning objectives based on our data, and this is what we're going to do over the next three years or the next five years. This is how we're going to improve. And... I mean, it, it, it's, it's not real. Um, and so when you talk about professional learning and instructional technology, I work at an Apple certified school. I also used to work for Apple. I also uh, was in a doctorate program for a year uh, in instructional design technology. So I know what instructional technology is supposed to be and how it's supposed to be used. If you see me teach, you would be like, he is an awesome English teacher and if I have a kid or I had a kid I would want him to be my teacher but the one thing you won't see a lot of I don't use a lot of technology I don't I use it when it matters I use it when it matters I never want to be that teacher that's just having and my kid and my students are one-on-one -on -one. it's a one-on-one -on -one school they have their yeah. iPads I don't have to teach you using your iPad they want me to teach you using your iPad but I don't have to if I'm going to have you use your yeah. iPad, it's going to be, again, that switch from consumer to producer. If you're, you're not just you're creating kidding. a PowerPoint because it looks good. If you're creating a PowerPoint, it's for, how can I explain this? It's not just, a, like, it can't just be surface level. Like, creating a PowerPoint yeah, has to be, like, authentic. Yeah. yeah. If, when I think about using a PowerPoint, I think about preparing kids for uh, college, grad school, their careers. So maybe I will come up and I'm just freestyling this. Maybe I will come up with an assignment where um, the students would have to study something, whatever that content is, and they will have to present it as if they were um, going for a grant. Okay, so maybe they're going for a grant. Like mm -hmm. it had to be like something authentic that they would actually use in like yeah. real life, right? Like outside of outside of school. And I think they call that authentic learning. That's what I use technology for. It's got to be authentic. I don't want you using your iPads and using the latest app 
just because you know I don't want you using Flipgrid because it's Flipgrid. Yeah, just because it, it's cool. And I'll tell you, at my yeah. school, which is so annoying, they use the technology just so they can get featured on a pamphlet, and it's like a raffle, and you can like win like Chick Fil A for a week, and like, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And 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 I do understand part of it was us part of the process of becoming Apple certified and Apple has been there and presented us with certificates and stuff like that. And I'm just like, some people are using this the right way. Other people are using this just for the dog and pony show. Like it's even a part of our and state to make rubric. life to it. Have you mm-hmm. for, so in Texas, what, um, and I'm sure it's probably some acronym. What rubric are you guys evaluated off of? What is it? What is it called? It's called T-Test in Texas, um, and it's newer. So I've been evaluated twice. This is my second time because mm-hmm. um, my first year, I didn't get evaluated because um, you're still probation- probationary. I was getting evaluated by my um, alternative teaching certification people uh, my first year. Sure. Second year, I got evaluated, and then this year, I'm getting evaluated in the um, elementary setting. Um, and my I did I did really well. Um, I was proficient or accomplished, in, and those are at the, the higher end of the spectrum, Um and it's basically, like you said, the horse and pony show, if you want it to be that way. A lot of my, my mom's an educator. I have a lot of family members that are educators. And they're like, when is your observation? Are you worried? Uh, do you have everything you need? And um, I don't know if it's me coming from the athlete standpoint or because I came in coaching first. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to do what I always do. Like, because if my kids are going to act the way that I want them yep. to act, I have to do what I normally do. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times uh, when I have observations, I do my regular station labs that I have. Um, I make sure that we're hitting all five E's of learning. Right. Uh, make sure my kids are up around the room because fifth graders, what do, what do they say? Kids' um, attention spans are, are their age in minutes. Uh, yeah, so definitely. my kids are so, about yeah. 10 to 12 years old. Yeah. So, so I have about two minute stations. Yeah, your direct instruction can't be much longer than 10 to 12 minutes. Yeah, and so yeah, I just exactly. walk around with all the groups. And I ask them questions and while they're doing the stations and they love it. And I'm not making it to where each station is so hard to set up to where I have to be a maniac around the room. But it's really just so that I can like probe them and ask, you know, I'm giving you this lesson in about eight different ways. So if you don't you don't figure it out this station, uh, you don't get it. Let's go to the next station and see if you get it there. Obviously, they're going to get the answers um, because they're working with the group. But it's just how is how are you absorbing it? What, what what do you absorb it best? So that way I can kind of check that off. And I know that you know Colby over here learns a lot differently. So he I I know that he got it. It just took him until the fifth station to get it. And his classmates might have gotten it at the third station. That's okay. Right. Um, and it kind of also helps me to be able to pull out those kids that I need to uh, from different groups if if maybe they weren't grouped correctly. And I can hey, would you three want to walk with me? Like you want to talk with me and figure out how we can get y'all through this. Um, and how are we going to do that online? I know that um, in Zoom, you can put people into breakout sessions and stuff. Right. I'm not sure um, that you can monitor all of those sessions, though. Mm-hmm. So they might switch to talking about Minecraft while I, while I have them in a the session. Right. I don't know about it right. um, until the meeting is over because it's recorded, right? Um, but I want to be able to, how do you probe those kids and then also make sure that the kids are answering the questions and not the parents? I don't want to put you on, on the spot. Um, right. So right now we're learning in Zoom that, you know, hey, can you unmute yourself and answer this question? And then there's crickets and you're like, okay, Johnny, do you want Abby to help you? You know, it's it's, uh, it's just this weird, awkward time. And if we can if we can figure out how to put it together and make it work, like, it could be really cool. Again, like I said um, earlier, but I'd rather have in-class instruction. I think kids 
as much as they like being on the computer and having fun and stuff, it's that's just that's extra for them. They want to be around you. They want to be like you. You sell education to these kids. You sell the even if you know they don't want to be what a teacher when they grow up. They're looking up to you and they're like, wow, he yeah. really is putting us on right now. He's wow. It's not just the curriculum. It's the life lessons that you're able to give. Um, like you said, do you, I don't really have discipline problems. And I teach in, in a rough place. And people always wonder, oh, you know, or they say it's because you're a coach. And I'm like, no, it's just because I, just like with adults, I'm going to teach you how you're going to handle me. And, and you can do the same. You can show me how you would like to be handled. Otherwise, I'm going to yeah. handle you accordingly, you know? Yeah. And so online how do you hold kids accountable to you know there's kids yeah. on the very first zoom meeting they were writing on the screen mm-hmm. annotating the screen <laughs> they were typing crazy things in the chat and i had to like uh we need to relax yeah off of that there and, is um, no as, as far as i know there is no book on classroom management for distance learning because typically distance learning has been for adult learners you know your college your college mm-hmm. and, and uh, grad school and professional uh school learners so there is so uh, have you thought about the kindergartners right now? Oh, the yeah. kindergartners are having to be online Crazy. all day. <laughs> and, and and that's that's that age group where they have to be face to face. Like yeah, yes, and those kids can play. use iPads and tablets and stuff like that, but again, it's very surface level. Um, we want them to be producers. But they they're not even at that point because the whole purpose of, you know, because um, you teach fifth grade, I'd say K through five, and I'm just thinking from a literacy standpoint, and I'm sure it's the same with uh, mathematics and science and everything else, is that's the foundation. So if you need to build the foundation, we can't even be doing all this extra stuff. Like, we shouldn't even be attempting to do this extra stuff. We have to build your foundational yes. skills, and then six through eight is supposed to be building on that. And then, you know, then, of course, once you get to high school, 9 through 12, that's when things become more about... Um, like applied knowledge. Yeah, yeah. If I'm thinking of uh, either Bloom's Taxonomy or um, Webb's Depth of Knowledge. That's where you really get into applying and synthesizing things and um, dealing with more abstract concepts and, and ideas. Um but again, to the point that you made earlier with the professional learning, so I'm pretty sure on that rubric that you guys use in Texas, because I know it's in Tennessee and probably every state, they want educators using the instructional technology. Uh, a principal wants to walk into the classroom and see kids on iPads and tablets, especially if they spent a lot of money or got a grant and everybody got those um, those tools for learning. But I just feel like there's so much... Um, assumed and misapplied because we don't have real professional development. And since I entered the teaching field, I entered this professional education, I've always been complaining about um, not not POCs necessarily, um, but faculty meetings and professional development because everything that's worth your time. Yeah. Everything that's in the research about what that's supposed to be again to that continuous Uh, school improvement model it's supposed to be continuous training for us on the same topic i know i know we're all super smart i know a lot of us are walking around with three four five degrees that's all fine and dandy i love it but you're giving me something that's really really important and you're giving it to me in a surface level and you're giving it to me in one training you don't follow up. 
there is no continuous support. You might email whoever the presenter is. I might get the PowerPoint back later, but where's the real resources? The PowerPoint can't yeah. be the resource. Like, like you said before, don't read the PowerPoint to me. I can read myself. The PowerPoint exactly. is just supposed to make it more engaging for adult learners, learners to uh, grasp hold of that information. But it needs to be more than just one. So, like chunked into series, and exactly. Or like, you know, if you, if, but I think that it should be to where we can sign up for whatever training, and that's our training for the year. Mm -hmm. um, and, and and your teammates can do other trainings. Uh, mm -hmm. That way, we can put it each other. Be differentiated. It yes. should be differentiated for your learning style as an exactly. adult. And I, I'm coming, and I always say that when I'm in training. Hey, I'm, I learn a little bit differently. I'm going to be honest. Like I wasn't the best student because uh, chemically, I'm just a little bit different than everybody else. And right. I didn't realize that until after I stopped playing sports in mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. So I went through school and just figured it out. But my brain was everywhere. Right. Versus these kids are already diagnosed, and I can already I know what what they deal with because I deal with it too. So I, I can help them right now. Right. But the way the way you're Framing things, I can't help them. The way you're giving me this stuff and how you're telling me to feed it to them, I can't help them this way because that's not how they learn best. Right. Um, is so I've tried to figure out ways to use technology without actually using technology. Right. Mostly because coming down to this school, we don't have one. To, we don't even have one to twenty <laughs> right. until now. We just so my kids had one desktop computer that didn't even have a mouse this year in my classroom, mm -hmm. um, and so I was like. On the T-test, it says, you know, or on the rubric, it says that you have to utilize technology or, or you know, you show how you use technology. And um, it goes from, like, some students to many students to all students are doing these different things. And I'm like, how am I going to get all students? So I like to utilize things like Plickers uh, to where I know I'm getting Plickers a quick check. Yeah. Um, kids love it because it feels so techy, but they're really just holding a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I love Plickers. Um, Plickers and then animating my powerpoints for the um for the day like every whenever you walk in the classroom everything's already on that powerpoint whether it be the warm-up or whatever it's interactive it has a timer on the screen all the all the things that i could use other pieces of technology for i try to put it into just one thing make it quick and easy for me uh but the kids are still getting that like we're not really using technology uh, but we are, right. I guess, um, energy. So that way they feel, they get that little like, oh, we got to do something fun today in class. But I'm still right here. We're mm -hmm. right here. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I don't know how I'm going to be able to be right here and assess kids as much as I want to um, with how we are, um, with what we're moving towards. And I, I really would like to figure it out because, I, like I said, I think that it's really cool um, that we can utilize this and Hey, go like even on the padlets. Do you, I don't know if you use padlet. I'm like, hey, go ahead, take a picture of something in your house that's artistic and post it in the padlet. Give me a sentence about that. Um, helping kids to see what they have in their own home that they can learn from. But also, where how are we going to get that um, everybody tactile like feel of learning? So yeah. whether it be like the school sending out boxes for labs, but who's going to monitor them while they do these labs? Like, uh, is it going to be to where they can figure it out themselves? Like I would, I really would like to figure it out, or I would like to talk to somebody that's developing curriculum for this right now because I want to get my kids' needs uh, put out there. Um, I guess that's something that you could poll teachers about. I don't know, yeah. um, but really, what are some things that we can do to get their resources that we know that they need into the home with them? Um, because everybody claims they don't have enough resources to. Um, to pay for it while they're in the classroom or, or yeah. 
I guess in my situation. Um, so how can we get to them at home so that way I can get them what they need and kind of rig it the way I usually rig it because I can't rig it from the computer screen if they're just not learning how to use a computer, you know? You brought up a really interesting point, and I'm curious to know, um, and this is just a statement, this isn't a question. When I think about uh, curriculum companies and assessment companies and whatnot, I wonder what is their reaction right now to what how everything is going on. And I wonder, is there a curriculum company out there or assessment company that is putting together resources. I think there are online platforms who, again, they're online or digital. So they've, you know, they may be, you know, trying to adjust because you probably get the emails like I get emails from stuff that I've used online. Um, so they're trying to respond to this. But I wonder, is there like a company out there that's like, like will homeschooling boom as a market because yeah. of because like, of is there this. a rat race to get these yeah will i want to know be, I, i'm just thinking will more parents will more parents push for homeschooling um because maybe they're scared of sending their kid back to school in fall 2020 and and so how I think does it's that be it's, yeah so I think you, I, I hear what you're saying, uh, especially coming from the school that you uh, work at and the area that you work in. I think that's going to be a concern for those parents. Yes. My parents, on the other hand, uh, well, the, my elementary parents, I don't think that's even an option because, you, right. I mean, you've seen the funny Facebook things. Like I, I found out that it wasn't the teacher, like it was my kid or mm -hmm. I, I, the, the work schedule hasn't changed for them. They're, they're essential workers. So it's like, and then also can they afford it? Is it something that's going to be provided provided to them? Because they don't they don't even want to pay for the 88 cent notebook. Um, or maybe they can't. Um, or it's like, I don't want my kid at home on the computer without me being there. And I have right. to work all day. So it's, um, I think it's going to depend on the socioeconomic status. Um, yeah. And I don't know. And I, I agree. I think curriculum companies will be, it would be in their best interest to be in the rat race right now and to figure out how we can reach these kids and get them what they need but digital learning um is going to be like pulling teeth right now i think for to keep them engaged i've already had kids drop off i've already had parents say hey i don't think this is for us i'm like that's not an option is it is, it, is that an option right. like i'm asking the principal can they just yeah. say this is not for them um and they say yeah we can just give them a packet and so they've created packets for the end, until the end of the year for some students to do, yeah. and they don't participate in online learning. And we also aren't grading those packets. Right. Um, because I don't know about y'all, but I don't want those packets delivered to my door from I God knows uh -uh. whose house. Uh -uh. I'm not touching it. It, got the, it can. Got the virus no. on me. I'm not touching that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been hesitant. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised more people are. Um, I see it on social media ordering like people like I've had people say they're shopping like ordering stuff from Amazon and wherever else all the time and I'm like ain't nothing coming in this house I'm disaffecting the UPS I'm gonna be man. honest like, I, I, I have been yeah and what are you doing with the what do you do with the bags and boxes I've been throwing a, like I told you I came grocery shopping I throw all my bags away like right away like immediately so so the, I don't have a bunch of bags. I, it comes in a box uh, oh, okay. uh, from this subscription service for groceries. And, um, yeah, I, I have to bring it into my home. 
Uh, I mean, they deliver it downstairs in the lobby or they deliver it to my door, I guess, now since the office is closed. But um, I'm having to bring it into my home. Well, uh, I mean, but are you disinfecting the box first or like what are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm leaving it on the floor. Yes. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm using um, just counter space and I'm cleaning up the counter and stuff after I take everything out and assess if I got everything that I need. But I mean, the, the, the fruits and veggies that are in there are not in bags or anything. It's just okay. out. And yes, I pre- I prefer fresh produce. Like um, I'm I'm all into the health and wellness and stuff, yeah. and that's how I know I can get it without being exposed to people. So it's like um, I think the boxes are prepared Monday, and they ship out um Wednesday from eight from twelve p.m. to eight p.m. So I, I mean, it has time for the germs to get off the box and stuff, hopefully. But and I I seen I've seen like how they're delivering with gloves and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't know. Right. Uh, but that's again to what you were saying earlier. Uh, do you think this is going to be over soon? We don't know. There's germs everywhere. You can't see germs. Like when I get my germ goggles, and I let y'all know. But as of right now, I don't know if if there are germs in my home or not. I don't know if I'm, you know, if I've been put at risk because I'm getting this, this, this grocery box. Um, but, yeah. but I think the the majority of the reasons why I've left the house are to go work out or just get outside. Yeah. Um, it's really weird to not have outside obligations. And so I've been trying to remind my kids, like, go outside. Yeah. San Antonio is a, a really, really obese city. Um, and like working in the education, <laughs> right. Working in education is really hard to um, say things like that to your kids that are already yeah. starting. You can see, you can tell. Yeah. Um, I think my first year teaching, they said that one in five kids has asthma in the schools right now. Mm. One in four kids has diabetes. Mm. And I'm like, you know, coming from my background, I'm disgusted. I'm like, one in four kids is going to be diagnosed with diabetes or is, is a candidate to have diabetes right now. That is absurd. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, we're not teaching them the right things. Right. Um, and so I, maybe having online education will have a little bit more time to throw in things like that, of, yeah. you know, little side things. But I mean... Also, when it comes to like the pacing calendar, what are we? How are we going to do this? How how are we going to keep everybody on the same accord? Um, in college, you can because the professor is basically like, "Hey, if you pass or fail, it doesn't really matter to me. I get paid." Um, I mean, I guess it's like that in down down to secondary education as well. But that's not what you want. You're here to build build these kids up because you do care, um, regardless if you're getting paid, anyways. Um, and so that's my fresh my frustration is like I want to make sure you're getting what you need and I don't know that you're retaining any of this. Right. Um, who's we don't know. There's not a, a a scanner to make sure that's their face doing the work. On, you know, like there's there's no way to know who's doing this work and if it's copied and pasted, I guess, or typed by somebody else. It's just we need more curriculum that's been created so that it, it thinks about all those things like when you log in you need you need to go through these steps it has to make sure it's you whether it be like college testing software to where you can't open up other windows or you mm-hmm. have to be on the, the whole time that you do it um whatever but i guess you still won't run into the whole i don't want my kid to be recorded i don't want my kid to have that and so um, it's like well, okay maybe your kid needs to get a paper packet i don't know uh, yeah. i don't know yeah Right now, everything is, we, we just don't know everything. It's too many variables. Just way too many variables right now. That, um, that's, I agree. One last question for you. 
and maybe and maybe you're not impacted by this, but how has the pandemic affected you career-wise? And what I mean by that, not necessarily that you have, and you kind of spoken spoke on it already because now you don't know like what's going on as far as shifting to your new school. You know, if you know if, how how the pandemic affects that. But has there been like any conversations you've had with like friends and family, or even just eternal, like where you've started to consider? I, I don't want to say an alternate path or a, a different profession, but what are those conversations you've either been like kind of internally having or having with other people about about your profession? Oh, um, no, for sure. I've been thinking. Uh, obviously, I think that everybody has at the back of their mind, like, yeah, what definitely. is about to happen to education? Um, mm-hmm. But I I mean, I'm pretty much I'm here in education as long as uh, it, it serves me and it serves people that I'm um, I'm here to help. But I've been even before this, the plan was, you know, you got to go ahead and expand to what, you know, what you do anyways. What are the things that you're good at? without getting paid to do them. And so I have a few hobbies and things that um, I'm about to um, make available to more than just my friends and family. Uh, I know I took off a year to do the fitness um, stuff and I learned a lot about traditional Chinese medicine and um, and more natural ways to help people understand the body. And I think it's, it's gonna be great to have this little bit of extra time to be able to work on that and to be able to send people the things that they've been asking me for and like, not have to worry so much about like, hey, I have a mountain of like papers to grade. I, I'm not gonna get your uh, get to your meal plan today, but I could do it later. Like I have time to do this. So I've, I've actually pumped out a lot of cool stuff, and um, I think it'd be great to use this time to not not only educate my kids because you can only give them so much right now, but to educate people who want to be educated, like, that are even adults who who want to be put on about what are some ways I could be taking care of myself, what are some ways I can be doing things to make this time. Uh, not a waste or not detrimental to myself um so that's really where my mind has been on helping especially people like my family members um because i come from a rural area and i'm learning um as i go right now each time i check on my grandparents or my big mama over out in the country uh they don't have access to the same things we have just like our kids don't have access to the education that they need right now they're not they don't have access to essential things um and so trying to do a little bit of research and um one set of my grandparents works for Meals on Wheels. It's a program out here that helps elderly people get food. Um, and then one of my other grandparents is on the program, and she's unable to get things that she needs right now. So I'm, I'm really, um, I'm, I'm talking to my parents every day, like, hey, what, what are some ways that we can help? I sent home toilet paper. I sent home, I sent her an iPad. Um, my teacher iPad, like, well, not provided by the school, but my personal iPad I sent to her so she could Facetime me because I'm. I can't go visit you. You know, I can roll the window down right. and talk to you, but right. I'm not going to put you at risk. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking to different ways to expand myself. And maybe that this is like another industrial revolution, uh, but maybe not as industrial. It's, it could be a really creative yeah. time. It could be a time that definitely. not only our students become producers, but we, we become producers. Definitely. Um, yeah. And on this podcast, I always preach like, side hustles like that's just one thing that's just known with educators like look we're super intelligent super smart super creative like i know you got some other passions you have some other things inside of you like use those passions and those skills to create some income and have an impact outside of the classroom um so yeah this is definitely definitely a time where um 
you know, someone ties your gifts. Yeah, yeah. Someone said, um, what they say? They said, um, uh, survival of the fittest. Because people were online like doing stupid stuff. Like there that was a, is my motto. Well, there was there was like a there was like a a flight attendant who licked a seat, a toilet seat or something like that, and she 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 got she has the coronavirus. Like at least at least that's what Twitter said. Like she's been identified. I, I believe it. I believe it. I also believe she didn't look like me or you. No, she didn't. Um, so there were there were people doing like really really stupid <laughs> stuff, right? And and then that's when they were like survival of the fittest. And I was like, it is survival of the fittest, but I think it's more than that. I think it's survival of those who are able to actually adapt. So the the quicker you can adapt to what's going on right now in this new normal and. I'll say even after we can officially go outside, it still won't be like it, it was be before, yeah. whether it's people's own, um, you know, uh, anxiety and just fear or it's just the right thing to do from a scientific medical standpoint. Like in Memphis, we got the Memphis Grizzlies at the FedEx Forum and they hold 30,000 plus. And I've been to a game this season. And will we ever have that opportunity again to go on the football stadium or university yes. stadium? And will we able be able to do so? And if we do, what's that going to look like? So I, I was, oh my goodness, my, my brother plays for the uh, G League team uh, for the Warriors, and so I went to visit, oh. that's why I was in California, and um, we went to the Warriors game um, to support one of our old uh, friends at K-State, he plays for the Clippers right now. Mm -hmm. We went to the last NBA game, one of the last games of the year, and, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we were thinking. First of all, we were thinking, okay, well, if it's Tuesday night and they and everything's shutting down Wednesday, no more uh, people will be allowed at games because the talk was we'll play games that aren't in front of fans. Right. Um, what's the difference between today and tomorrow? Like, we're still here gathered in this large area. There's really right. no difference. Germs are still everywhere. Right. Uh, and so I think about that still. Like, uh, did I put myself at risk being at that game? Right. Um, because we didn't really – there weren't laws in place or rules right. saying right. don't be there. Um and moving forward, will I get the opportunity again? <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe I need to cherish that. I got to yeah. cherish it. Will, will it look the same? Like, like, what if it's not 30000 Or, you know, since you're into the physical fitness, I was thinking, too, like gyms, like gym memberships. Like, how does that work? Are, is 100 I've been people doing, be... I've been supporting my local gyms yeah. um, by doing Zoom workouts with them and posting, hey, I just got off this workout with this person. You guys, this is the uh, Zoom call. They're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays free um, times for, for now. Right. Uh, so I have been participating, trying to help out my, my local, like black fitness, uh, friends, because I know that they're hurting right now if they yeah. don't have access to big outside areas to use. But if there are laws that are enacted after this for a, another year, a lot of those businesses won't be able to survive. And yeah. I'm just thinking specifically about the gym. Here's my idea. What if they, so like Planet Fitness, what if uh, if you're a Planet Fitness member, in order to go work out, you had to go online um, and you had to schedule and they only had 10 spots open for an hour and you can't go over an hour. You get one hour of working out in this gym. Once this time expires, everybody gets kicked out. Then they have like a 15 minute transition where they have to sanitize everything and then the next group comes in. And if you miss your appointment, you miss your appointment. And they're probably going to be booked and you can get in again next week. Like, what if something like that happens? So wow. 
I really feel like Honestly, that might be good for the fitness industry because people got to be held accountable. Like working in the fitness industry, oh, that yeah. might be something people oh, are definitely. Yeah, if you got a book getting people into routine, and, yeah, you're gonna go. Structure. You're gonna actually go definitely. But um, yeah. you know, but I don't know financially. Like, will they survive with that? You know, um, yeah, and just other just other business restaurants, tech companies. Companies that just started up not too recently. So I just think about all of that. And I, I just know that those who are able to adapt and as educators, typically we have to adapt to a lot. There's always a new educational policy. There's always new school board rules and regulations. The principals are always issuing new mandates. Do this, do that. Um, it's just always like we're in a profession that's constantly changing. So for every educator that oh, yeah. is listening to this podcast, Know that, you know, we believe in you, you are able, you are capable, but you have got to figure it out because this is no different than what we do. If you don't adapt, you yeah, die. If you don't adapt you're a dinosaur. You have to adapt and overcome. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and that's what I mean. I'm 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 here to support my, my older teammate that is struggling with the technology. But that's yeah. um, I don't know if you've heard this, but a lot of retail places, uh, I know for sure Banana Republic was talking in 2019 about uh, get rid of paper money. Uh, how do you feel about exchanging paper money right now? I don't. I barely. I barely keep. I, I, I barely keep paper money anyway. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. People say cash is trash all the time, but that's. The, I mean, it, even more right now. It's like uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to take that from you. Yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest, yeah. and so um, yeah, I know Banana Republic was saying they're going to go all digital currency um, only starting in 2019. I don't know that they did, but I know I did see that they were taking out um, regular cash registers, and you were having to use this uh, your card, and people were bringing you up, you know, just with their little. Yeah. iPods or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, think about that moving forward in the future when it comes to all tech, all things. Like, yeah. We're moving away from uh, the old way. And a lot of older people were up in arms about it. Like, I will use cash. Do, does anybody accept checks anymore? If they got rarely. rid of checks. Rarely. Yeah. Right. If, yeah. if if they got rid of checks, they, I feel like they can get rid of cash as well. So, Definitely. Um, being able to adapt to whatever part of your life is changing is going to be super important. And um, coming from a rural area where people are very set in tradition in their ways, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to educate those people on yeah. this is for your benefit. It's not to nobody's trying to do this out of spite. No. This is just how you're going, and you, either you go or you get left. And I don't yeah. want to leave people behind. Yeah, definitely. Especially, right? Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. You know, the kids adapt to everything, like with ease typically you know they typically adapt to everything with ease because it's a part of being young and i mean just think about like wh what year did you grow up in what year were you born uh, i graduated high school in 2012 so yeah um, so, yeah you went from wait 2012 were you still using cds uh yeah so my very first cd Aguilera CD. Yeah, CDs, <laughs> oh my gosh. DVDs, like we're already like yeah. yeah. We went to three yeah. players. Our, yeah. I went from my first phone was a flip phone. Yeah. Um wow. Yeah. You, you, were, you ever on, were you ever on MySpace? Was twenty MySpace yes, we, had, okay. we had Zanga. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had so, all Tumblr. But just look how things just like change like it's always evolving. I mean that's a part of the human experience. It's a part of humanity. Things are going to always change. Okay, and so. as a kid, your mind is so much, so much more malleable. I was thinking about, mm -hmm. we literally Virtual. learned how to make our own web pages for, for MySpace yeah. and back in the day. We were learning how to code. Yeah, you know? we were learning how to uh, code. Yeah, HTML. Yep, so, exactly. So why would that be something that's difficult for these kids? We might as well put them on so they can uh, be mm -hmm. successful. Because I'm going back in and taking online courses now on 
HTML and CSS because I'm like, I need to get back into uh, learning how this thing works because it's, it's been a few years since I, I really knew uh, how all these programs work. I've just been using them out of the, the convenience and the quickness. You know, I right. need it. I need it now. Right. I'm not really going in and, and diving deeper and seeing, like, do, do I know how to use this if I need to explain it to somebody or am I just using it because it's, that's the tool? Yeah. And so I, I think that that might be one of the ways to help kids dig deeper is teaching them this is the ins and outs of the device that's going to make you uh, make or break you. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Well, this has been great. This was a great episode. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad that I got to be on here with you. This is yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. What can I say? Mamba out. Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stayed in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the ones don't sleep.